Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. You may not have heard, but data is the new oil. Just as oil powered the old economy of atoms, data powers the new economy of bits. Today's guest is going to tell us how to leverage your cannabis business data and market more effectively. I'm pleased to welcome Nick Paschal, co-founder of Alpine IQ to the show. Nick, welcome to Canada Insider. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. Give us a sense of geography. Where are you in the world today? I'm in uh, good old Dallas, Texas, the land that's very flat and dry around here. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to Colorado, you're right. So yeah. what is Alpine IQ on a high level? Um, so Alpine IQ is, is really a customer data platform and a semi-marketing cloud. Um, our, our goal is really to protect you from breaking promotional compliance, um, segmenting and personalizing customer journeys and kind of overall syncing of your in-store and, and online operations. Okay. That's a lot and important stuff. And we're going to dig into that. But before we do, can you share a bit about your background and journey and how you got into the cannabis space and started Alpine IQ? Uh, yeah, for sure. So kind of stepping back, I mean, when I was 13, I, I played video games and esports was not as big as it is today. And, and out of playing Halo professionally and traveling, um, I kind of forced myself to learn technology in order to pitch, you know, sponsors and try to get people involved in esports. And over time, that really just kind of laid the foundation for me to kind of jump into the startup game and be more of an entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, I started a couple of startups, you know, failed, learned all those lessons and all those things are very necessary and um, had my first kind of breakthrough startup and uh, 2012. Um, I've, I've since sold that company three times now. Um, funny, long story, but not relevant to, to cannabis. And then um, my my younger brother actually um, was working for Tilray for a number of years on the retail team. And, um, you know, they were going out and this is all public knowledge, but they were going out trying to, you know, get into retail and buy up different chains. And so, Part of that was we were just, you know, talking, um, actually playing video games again. Um, that's how we stay in touch because he was living in Seattle. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, what's inside of all these data rooms? How are these retailers managing things? And, and especially across provinces in Canada. And, and we would later, you know, obviously work in the U.S. as well. And so I started kind of tinkering around with, data management in the space and really found that there wasn't really a great solution there. So we started building out kind of a product alongside the, the retail team there. Um, and then over time, just eventually had a proof of concept, went through beta, got the, the green light from a lot of very key players in the space. And then we started go to market in February 24th. So right before COVID hit. And that was you know, pretty crazy timing, but it's, it's been a journey so far. Wow. Okay. So now you, so you said you played video games professionally, sp specifically Halo, the Microsoft game. Is that, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. 
that's pretty crazy. I've never met anybody to do that. And now also you mentioned esports and people that are listening are like, wait, I think is what does esports mean exactly? Is like, like what is that? Fantasy football? But esports is now bigger than regular sports, I think. Can you just what does esports mean to you? I mean, for me, I was it was honestly like, you know, it's how kids, millennials were raised essentially, I feel like, or at least my parents, um, <laughs> you know, growing up playing games and then um, getting into Halo. I mean, that was really the first one that popped off outside of the PC world um, and went mainstream. And, you know, at the time it was like on US, I think it was on USA as a um, live event that they were streaming. And that was really the kickoff and esports being, you know, gaming tournaments and, um, you know, live streaming online uh, via companies like Twitch, which didn't exist at the time. I mean, all of those were just very natural progressions to me in, in that sport. And coming from MLG, and which is uh, Major League Gaming, was kind of the first thing that I was in related to that. Um, but it really kind of forced me to be an entrepreneur because nobody really believed in gaming being a big industry from a, you know, people watching it and tournament style um, so kind of convincing brands and sponsors of that was a big step and, you know, putting together decks and websites for team members. And then that eventually led to 3d and I got really into particle effects, which led to me actually, um, working on halo. Um, because one of the guys from Bungie saw my work on YouTube and I got basically hired and had to move overnight from Arizona with no car when I was 17. So it was, oh, it was pretty God. crazy. Wow. That's nuts. And how old are you now? Uh, I just turned 30. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's quite a long journey then. That's really interesting. I know in like South Korea in other places in Asia, Asia that this, the esports have gone to a whole nother level. In fact, I don't think most Americans or North Americans are really aware to the extent like they're filling arenas um, and you're watching people play video games on a big screen and stuff. I mean, it's really, I think that is uh, someplace that's where we're, where things are headed, especially now that we've got Oculus 2 out there. It doesn't need to be connected to a, a, a PC and you can join events virtually and it's really becoming quite immersive. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the the cordless um, VR stuff is is pretty huge. I think the the barrier to entry though is still price point on that. There, you know, it's one thing to get a VR headset, but then you also have to get the the PlayStation or build a workstation that's powerful enough to handle it. But yeah, esports is growing immensely. Even here in in Dallas and Arlington, right next to the Cowboys Stadium, there's a, a whole um, indoor arena just for esports and gaming events which uh, launched, I think it's the biggest one in the country, if I recall correctly. And I mean, it's just growing crazy, especially in, like you mentioned in Asia. I mean, there's huge stadiums, Super Bowl stadiums that are just constantly sold out for games like League of Legends and uh, some of the more popular ones. Fascinating stuff. So for listeners that that are just not as immersed in data and specifically cannabis data as you are, how can you orient us so we can evolve our thinking to catch up to, to where you're at and to think more critically about our business data, what it is and how to use it? Yeah. So I think like really the bottom line is that 
you're at risk of owning your customer if you have leaks in what I would call your data network or your data infrastructure. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if you don't have trust and confidence in your customer data or inventory data or you know machine learning derived uh, pieces of information to help you grow your business, you're just going to have a lot of downstream problems occurring for both the customers in their journey and loss of man hours related to like your internal staff, either on a brand side or maybe a retail side. And, and, um, and some of the other things people don't realize is you're going to bleed customers to competitors, you know, in, in different ways that are kind of subliminal. And, and there's even like, you know, just to back up a couple months, even there's so much money getting poured from cannabis into ancillary businesses. And it's, it's smart money. I mean, it's Silicon Valley money. Um, these guys know what they're doing when it comes to data and, you know, those ancillary businesses, you have to be careful with their intentions long-term, especially when, you know, you have what I would call some conflicts where LPs and some of the big players that are your direct competitor as a retail operator or brand are collecting that data like downstream or have the ability to anonymize it and use it in exchange for, you know, maybe free access to your point of sale, which is a very common thing in cannabis. So just, you know, being able to control your data long-term with, and your data network is so critical. Um, you know, when these CPG brands get into the space in a big way in a couple of years, your data, if you're giving it away for free or you're not governing it correctly, is going to end up powering their kind of their rapid penetration into the market. I mean, there's, you should be owning your customer. You should control your data. You should have data breach clauses and, and really um, speak powerfully about that for your business. So when you say leaks, I just want to be clear, like data leaks. So you're using maybe uh, some sort of SaaS software or have an API that can, that links your database to a third party for whatever reason it might be to accomplish something that might be used in a way that you might not approve of, but might not be aware of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of the same argument that's very public with people like Facebook and TikTok right now is, is you just, you don't really know downstream just by using a couple of cool tools, how they're going to be able to capture the customer in a way that you didn't really realize upfront. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and that might not just be, um, I don't want to pick on, you know, tech providers in your stack, right? Like a lot of people don't have bad intentions. Um, but there's also leaks in a sense, like where if you connect your MailChimp up and then you're doing SMS campaigns on a platform and the opt-outs don't speak together, then that might open you up for problems down the road with compliance. So just little things like that, that add up, especially with such a new space where kind of these tech providers are brand new and all the kinks aren't worked out and everybody's just trying to work together. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I, I, I see a lot of tools relating to data and it, they kind of lend themselves to analysis paralysis because the data is so overwhelming. It may be beautifully presented, but it's not clear what the actions are. Like what's, what's actionable here and what's, what's my priority of action? Like if I'm going to take some action, which one should it be first? How can you help us understand your data management platform and how to analyze the data to do something powerful? 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I would say the first step is that you need to clean it and connect it all together. So you need to get all your integrations. And, and in this space, um, you know, especially pre-COVID, most of that has been looked at as I just got to connect my point of sale and I can look at my transaction data with a couple of different providers or maybe that powers one or two uh, marketing tools. So, you know, the problem is, is, is if one of those pieces of data changes, like let's say that you have a customer wallet and their phone number changes or they change their address, you know, what do you have to do with that person? Um, and, and is that going to affect when they walk into the store, if they're going to have the right information on the point of sale that they would have in the customer wallet that might be provided by somebody else? Um, so just like cleansing, deduping data, that's, that's a big piece and, and mapping it together across all these destinations and sources of data. Um, uh, and then, you know, in Alpine IQ specifically, we wanted to make it really simple to, to have key metrics. And um, we, we have a managed service. So if, if you don't understand data science, you don't want to look at a bunch of graphs all day. You just want actionable kind of things to do as a business that will make a difference on your bottom line. We have that as a kind of an add-on for a lot of people. And then, um, but in the dashboard, like when you first get in there, um, we, we're super agnostic. Like what happened was, was we made this data management platform and originally we were going to connect to a lot of tech vendors in the space, specifically in marketing and audience creation. Um, and they didn't really want us to get into their, their, you know, business and, and power or anything. It was kind of this gate kept environment. So we ended up just making our own, what I would call like Kroger brand of cereals to, to match those. So you kind of have the option in Alpine to either use another provider for each piece of your technology stack, or you can use our own pieces that we've built specifically because we know that those are the highest ROI generating pieces, things like SMS campaigns, loyalty wallets, um, personalizing store screens. But, um, you know, the ability to attribute ROI across all of those tools is probably the biggest difference in Alpine versus, versus other things out there. Um, and what I mean by that is like when you can connect your email provider, like maybe MailChimp or Klaviyo, or, and then you have Alpine SMS campaigns and you might have ad loop banner ads doing retargeting and geofencing. It's like very simple in Alpine to look at a couple graphs and have a couple of stats there that tell you, you know, MailChimp sent you this much revenue versus Alpine SMS versus AdLoop banner ads. So you can really break it out and split it out in one place. So you're not looking at all these detached different analytics tools on like a hundred dashboards. It's all just going to be combined and nice. And um, so, so that's the first thing is just combining it and be able to look at, look at it in a clean way. Um, and then there's a couple of stats that we generally like to, to like to move the needle on um, both from a managed service and what I just tell anybody to do um, is look at like the deviation of the member club um, average ticket size. So your loyalty club purchases versus your non-loyalty member purchases and try to rise that percentage up um, both through, you know, dynamic discounting and um, you know, promotions and just targeting the right people at the right time is a big deal. And then, you know, we even have pieces on our system that, you know, map out the audiences you create for SMS or for MailChimp and then 
showcases that on a on a Google map of where those customers live so that you can decide on physical world promotions and uh, events that might be relevant to a specific audience. You know, SMS is really a popular way to do promotions because, you know, it's, it comes right up to your attention, unlike an email or something else. But there's some, I think, some litigation right now from people that say they have opted out. It goes exactly to your point of like, hey, right. you got to make sure you have clean data. And when someone opts out, maybe they have, maybe in their one database you have, they have hyphens in their phone number and another part of the database that doesn't have hyphens. And so, your software thinks those are two different numbers, opts out one and not another. And the next thing you know, there's a lawsuit because you texted someone that opted out. Yeah. I mean, the, so the TCPA lawsuits are definitely a big thing in the space. And we have a lot of customers actually come to us after um, those happen and, and still run SMS and are very excited about what they're generating there. There's just you know, you have to make sure that you're TCPA compliant in Canada. You also have CASEL um, in California, CCPA. So you have all these different things that you have to look out for, not just for text messaging, but, you know, email compliance and all these different um, privacy policies. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like cleaning the phone numbers and cleaning, you know, records and deduping them is a big step to honoring opt-outs. Um, in Alpine, we, we actually have like a page that we give every customer that they can link to from their website and you can opt out GDPR, CCPA compliance, and it connects all of your tools together. So if they opt out of, um, our page, then it'll automatically tell like MailChimp, Hey, they're, they're opting out and the SMS campaigns will stop. And to be honest, a lot of those TCPA lawsuits arose because, um, customers were exporting, you know, SMS files from vendors and then switching vendors. And then um, there's like edge cases there where if you download a CSV file of all your member club people and you have opt-out dates and then they happen to send a couple text messages in between the time you're transitioning and somebody opts out, well, when you're on the new vendor, that's going to send a text message. They're going to get upset and they're going to think they already opted out when the new vendor has no idea. So you just have to be really careful transferring things. Um, and we try to help people through that as, as best as we can. So we talked a little bit about the dashboard and what you see when you log on, but let's say I'm a business owner. I've, uh, I've committed to Alpine IQ. I've connected up as much as my business as possible to it. What, what kind of insights will I be getting and what's actionable there that would draw my attention if I was looking over your shoulder at the dashboard? So as far as like onboarding goes, I mean, typically we can get that done in a day. We, we just take you through an onboarding call. We make sure all your uh, data points are connected. All those API keys are good to go. And we'll map all the stores together if you have multi-store operations. Um, and the first thing you're going to see is you're going to see a, uh, like a data network. So when you log in, you're going to see all of your ingestion points of data pulling in in real time, the counts of people coming in, and then like our system's core, which is cleansing of that data, making sure it's compliant, and then shooting it back out to other third parties or our own in-house um, uh, tech stack, which would be like SMS campaigns or one-click review widgets for SEO boosting. So it's pretty simple. Once it's all set up, you're really just 
um, getting reports day to day, or um, those are also like emailed directly to the right team members where the data is relevant to them. So that, that's a big difference for us. And yeah, ease of use and simplicity is really key in this industry, especially when you're trying to connect up, you know, four or five different providers on average for every retail store. Okay. So let's say I'm a, a cannabis retailer. I've got Alpine IQ and I, how do I cleanse and sync that data? Is that happening automatically or am I prompted to cleanse somehow and sync? Cause I know that's something that you have mentioned in the past and it's important, but I don't know if everybody knows what that means. Uh, yeah. So, so essentially after you connect your, let's say you have a website, so you, you connect, a your website to our system, which basically tracks page views, what was put in cart, what, what kind of videos did somebody watch? Like maybe those were edible videos specifically. And that, um, then, then you might connect like rest API, your point of sale, you have email providers, you have e-commerce, like iHeartJane. Um, and all those things, once they're connected, Alpine is basically going to look at data from all of those places coming in in real time. And then in some cases, there's a four hour delay for certain point of sale systems. But for the most part, it's really quick. And uh, there's even a timer on the homepage that says, hey, at this time, we're going to run the next cleansing of your customer records and then sort them into very specific granular audiences that you can use. So it's pretty easy to see that it's running. It's constantly going to be going and and protecting your your entire uh, data network. Okay. Very cool. So audiences, let's talk a little bit about that and what that means. How, what's an audience and how do you see retailers and brands using the audience feature to generate ROI? Right. So audiences really are, you know, most people in this space would say, okay, you know, an audience is somebody that is going to buy that has previously purchased edibles or some kind of like generic category with our system. We have a full um, segmentation filtration tool. So uh, we generally give you a ton of different audiences that are pre-configured based on what we know is going to be used most things like um, top 20% spenders across all of my stores. Um, So you might generate these audiences. um, You can select different traits. So you can say, I want to target people that, um, our top 20% spenders that visit at least three times per month. And, you know, they have over 700 loyalty points. And then you can analyze those and use those people in, in campaigns down the road if you want to. Okay. So let's just, if you were to just hypothetically put on the hat of being a cannabis retail brand, how would, how would you optimally run things from a digital perspective here? I mean, I think of Alpine as kind of like this old time switchboard where the operator is plugged into everything else. It's plugged into all these other (laughs) systems and stands there looking at them all. So now that you're at the switchboard and you, you have full visibility into all the different systems, how would you run your cannabis retail brand and leverage Alpine to do it the most efficiently and optimally? So, I, I mean, I would use a lot of different tools. I mean, right now, the ancillary business side of things, like in the tech space, is growing so fast. There's so many vendors in the space. And it's even after taking demos and seeing sales decks, which, you know, we did looking at 
at people through Tilray, it was, you know, what is, what is working over here? What's the best tech stack? How do I combine these things together? Um, really, I would start with, with my base setup, my current point of sale. I would install website tracking. I would, I would um, connect together my e-commerce setup. And that way I can look at everything in a consolidated place. And then I can switch out vendors. I can change out SMS campaigns to target different audiences that are more granular. So I'm, I'm saving capital, but not sending SMS to the wrong people at the wrong time. Or maybe like I'm a high tourism zone and text messaging people a daily deal um, to come into the store today is a bad idea to just blast the 40,000 members when like 500 of them live anywhere nearby to do that today. So it's kind of like all these little optimizations I would do. And I don't know if you want me to give some examples of creating campaigns or anything, but... Yeah, love examples. Yeah, yeah. So let's say you have 30 stores, because really, I mean, we built this, you know, looking at Tilray, we knew it was going to be a very large thing. So we kind of went backwards on uh, building it for big enterprises. And then that helped even single store operators, obviously. And then they have trust to, as we grow, it's going to work, right? So let's say you have 30 stores in Colorado. We'll use that top 20% spenders that visited three times last month as an audience example. And um, all you would need to do in our system is create an SMS campaign. And you can use all these little personalization tools. It's drag and drop, really simple. So you can say like, hey, first name, and that would relate to, hey, Nick. So it'd say, hey, Nick, you know, happy Tuesday. I hope you like the White Widow you bought last week. White Widow could be taken automatically from our system as the highest priced item from their ticket on their last order. So you're not saying, hey, like, I hope you like the papers you bought. And you can get really granular with that. And, you know, then you can give them a recommendation. You know, you have a new strain called Durban Poison that we think you would really love. And that recommendation is based on, you know, machine learning currently available inventory, days of stock, and things of that nature. So now I have one SMS campaign I can send to 40,000 people, but it's going to be different every for every single customer, which is also going to help me not get blocked by carriers when I'm sending SMS because it's very personalized. Um, and we can even link like a coupon in that SMS campaign that goes to, you know, a page that has a barcode to easily scan it at the till or um, something else. But uh, when this is sent to a customer, this SMS campaign I'm talking about, um, Alpine would automatically add that discount to like a customer wallet alongside any arcade style points discounts or anything that they're familiar with. And this could even go to use the discount for pre-ordering on something like iHeartJane because that's connected to Alpine, right? So all this stuff is speaking together. Um, and when they come into the store to, to pick up their product, after ordering on iHeartJane, in that example, um, they can scan their ID right at the at the door or be in a waiting room, depending on your state or province. And then we even can power things like store screens by saying, hey, Nick is in the queue. He's about to walk in the store. I want you to put mostly edibles or Durban poison content on all the screens in the store. And then the bud tender that handles him, I want you to give him like a, a tablet recommendations list of products that are he's most likely to buy based on the White Widow purchase and all of his order history and what other people have bought with the same order history in the store. And then in the customer's brain, everything about their interaction with you is 
amazing. It's personalized to them. They feel like you understand them. And, you know, the higher ticket prices come from that. The loyalty comes from that. And that's when you really start to get the boost, right? Um, And then on top of that, when Nick kind of leaves the store, he's going to get a text with his points, his wallet that's going to have promos and recommendations in it. And that's going to drive him back to the store again. And then on top of that, he might get a text message because he's a top 20% spender from Alpine to go review you at the exact store that he just visited in your 30 store chain network um, on Google, Facebook, Leaflap, Leafly, Weed Maps, those types of things. Um, so like all of this that I just said in that example is completely automated with Alpine. You basically make an SMS campaign and all of that stuff would automatically happen as the customer interacts with you. There's nothing you really have to do after that single day setup and creating a couple campaigns. And at the same time, that SMS campaign could sync to MailChimp and MailChimp could send out an identical uh, piece of content to that same person. Interesting. That uh, really makes the prospect feel or the customer feel like, oh, this this retailer gets me. Like we're 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 in sync here. So that that makes a lot right. of sense. Okay. Yeah. So one question about the customer journey. How so if if you're watching videos and let's say all the videos relate to edibles, is it say like, hey, this person's watched, you know, 700 minutes of edibles videos and so they get like a tag or some sort of like uh, some way to know that this person's interested in edibles. But do you have something that says like, hey, they're super interested in edibles, like they're a 10 out of 10? Or is it just like edibles? No. Yeah. So so typically what we see in the space is just a simple tag for a basic category. I mean, our system, um, so I studied uh, machine learning pretty heavily at MIT, uh, my favorite topic for sure. Uh, I probably bore everybody about that. But um, essentially, you know, our system has got all sorts of, you know, brain power in the back end that's saying, okay, Nick is likely to visit within six days based on his, um, you know, propensity with, with my brand. And, you know, I want to send a text message out when he's likely to come to the store within two hours. Um, so all those things um, are not necessarily like, I wouldn't consider them tags, it's basically like a machine learning derived trigger to send a SMS at a certain time or um, a trigger to push a discount when we know that they like edibles, like you said. Um, so like they can always change interests. It's not like I walk into a kiosk, I tap, I like edibles and that's the only thing I get. If I start buying, uh, if I go from edibles and I start buying a ton of concentrate or tinctures, which is, you know, very different type of buyer, generally, um, tinctures buyers are, are completely separated, right? Then, then I'll start getting different recommendations based on that. And I would compare that mostly to something like the Netflix recommendations that you get for TV and movies, right? If you start watching romance stuff, romance um, videos and TV shows are going to be more prevalent in your feed. Yeah. wonder why mine only suggests the Hallmark channel, Nick. Any ideas? I... I I said romance because I'm thinking of my wife's recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is funny. It's like, how do I break this? I got to watch uh, like Rambo movies for a week so uh, you can, you know, change the profile I'm under or something. Yeah, I, I got Paw Patrol for sure on, on all of mine for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, there's a lot of people listening here and I can totally understand this situation because you start with one software platform or you start with like a one software SaaS company to do something specific. And the next thing you know, you integrate with another one because it integrates with the first one and they both do kind of maybe one or two things well. And then before you know it, you have three or four and you're using all of them and it feels like it's going well. And then someone like you comes on and goes, well, it's like you have a body without a heart and a brain. Like you've got these parts that are not connected in a way that makes sense holistically. And there's this sinking feeling like, oh no, my data is leaking. I don't understand my customer journey. Are they even getting an optimal experience? How do I benchmark that? There's all these questions that start to swirl. What would you say to someone who's in that position? (laughs) <laughs> call us. <laughs> uh, no, the, 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 I mean, it's a kind of a very simple workflow that we use often um, and has really good success at generating revenue is to connect these things up, dedupe them, have trust in my data um, and be able to swap out and not have vendor lock on some of these downstream tools. Uh, I mean, just getting that foundation together, even if it's kind of rudimentary and bare bones, for now, that's great. And if you have a lot of tech providers already, I mean, it, there is ways to cleanse it out. I mean, in some cases, like let's take some TCPA lawsuits. If you have dirty SMS data and you're worried about that, I mean, there's ways to cleanse that. However, you know, some people do choose to go back and say, you know what, I'm going to, I got to restart my member club, right? This doesn't work. So we've had that happen before. Um, it happens. People are learning as they grow right now. And kind of our job at Alpine is just to stop that from the get-go and just get you online in a, with a good solid foundation and then let you have the freedom to use any tool you want without like freaking out that you might lose a piece of data when you transfer. Or, you know, if I try this for seven days, it's going to break my entire network of other tools trying to work together like on discounting or on other things. So, and it's not just that. It's also like, in, in the future, right? Like, let's say that, you know, legalization happens in a bigger way and all these blue chip tech providers can get into the space and you can start running Facebook ads and you can start running some of these key platforms that work so well in, the, in a normal environment. If you don't have your foundation set up, um, you know, with, with Alpine, like you click one button and say, I want to send all my cannabis audiences that are cleansed to Facebook ads. And that same audience goes to MailChimp and to your SMS campaigns. And so it's all just kind of working together. Um, and it's not really that daunting of a task with a, with a platform. I mean, it, it definitely is setting it up blind. People are like, wait, you can do that? Yeah, if you, if you have your customers' emails, you can upload them to a Facebook ad campaign and they'll they can just push the ad right to you. So that's a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they have your most active contact information, right? I mean, that's where all the privacy stuff has been coming up lately, but I mean, it definitely works. And so does stuff like Google AdWords or even something as simple as like doing an intercom chat on your e-commerce store, right? Like how do you trigger SMS or in-store screen displays based on if that person made a chat with you and what was that chat about. So all those types of events get funneled into Alpine and then it powers your downstream, you know, situation. 
So you mentioned earlier in the interview about how when you were getting started, you went around and talked to different companies, individuals, and kind of got the green light, I think you said. What was that early incubation period like? Were you just trying to see if people wanted this or if they saw the need or were you showing them a prototype? How did you kind of get that product market fit? Yeah. So um, originally we made a deck. We, you know, modeled the framework base layer off of, um, you know, some blue chip providers that are very large and, you know, do most of the fortune 500 that isn't cannabis and so that was really our foundational layer. And then we connected a couple APIs and tools together for a few retailers and then just started working backwards from there into every single integration. And I remember, you know, just speaking to entrepreneurs out there that might be listening, it's just like when you get into this industry, it's so gatekept. And it's not generally retailers or brands, they all want more tools to do their jobs better, to connect everything. There's a lot of blocking going on between tech providers that don't want to release APIs or they feel like somebody is going to be competitive to them downstream. And and honestly, it's funny because we didn't want to be competitive to these people. They just said, that's what we think you are. And then we turned around and said, all right, if you're not going to support these people and prevent vendor lock, then we're just going to build our own solution for it. And so we, we have like two or three vendors minimum per type of marketing channel you might use like SEO generation. And then we'll have our own version ourselves that comes with the platform. But yeah, it was very difficult. It was extremely difficult to get in touch. I remember sending probably 20 integration emails to people and saying, Hey, we're new. And you know, a lot of people don't have API support teams and they don't, you know, they get their time wasted a lot by kids coming into the space thinking that they can just make a a tech play overnight and they just don't let them in. So it took getting the retailers and some of these brands to say, hey, like, we need this or, you know, we got to find a new point of sale or we got to find a new vendor for for this other process because you're ruining my downstream chances of being successful. And my example I always give is like, these people doing blocking in the space, it's not beneficial to anybody and not even themselves. If you look like Apple isn't going to come into the space and block you from, you know, getting on the app store, you can go as a developer and sign up in two minutes, pay 90 bucks for a year, have unlimited API access and drop an app after it goes through an audit. That's not possible in, in cannabis right now, per se, in certain situations, but like a point of sale, like Stripe, largest you know, online transactions, huge API, well-documented. You can sign up as a developer in two seconds and power their customers with amazing tool sets for free. And so it just, the, all the excuses in the space of like, oh, we don't have enough money for this. We didn't budget this into our original, you know, tech play. You know, that's that's just kind of, I feel like those are just excuses. And, and really like, just to give you an idea, I mean, we have, we have two, we have three engineers. We have three engineers. We have done 24 POS integrations. Not one of them has taken more than 24, maybe, maybe 30 hours to do without talking to anybody. Most of it is probably six weeks of just back and forth on email, just wasting 10 member, 10 team members time trying to get in. And that's it. I mean, it's, 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 unbelievably daunting just to get in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
So this is a this is a very cool product, Mission Control. It was kind of put on, I think of it as like Mission Control or the switchboard of your business. It was kind of put on my radar because people said, hey, this is really uh, interesting software solution. So well done to you. Where are you in the fundraising process right now? Have you raised capital or where are you? Yeah. So like I said, um, we I sold my previous business a, a couple times, uh, long story, but basically I took cash from that and then self-funded and have a great team of, of people working with us. And in May, a couple months after we really started selling publicly, we took on a small uh, private round, you know, and then, and then in the future, you know, we're very conscious about conflicts of interest in the space. And, you know, I want data to be owned by the retailer or the brand and it's collected by you. So like, wh- why shouldn't you own it? And uh, your customers really don't deserve to be anonymized and sold to third parties. So especially a large competitor. So we're always looking for finance partners and to expand our, our growth. But we're looking at another doing like a larger, I would call it a, a series A strategic in the next couple of months. Well, Nick, I like to ask a few personal development questions to help listeners get a better sense of who you are personally. With that, is there a book that's had a big impact on your life or way of thinking that you'd like to share? Yeah, so I, I get the book question a lot. and And you know, I, I'm an avid reader for sure. I think my favorite book, at least in the last couple of years, is definitely um, Sapiens. It's, I believe it's Sapiens' uh, Brief History of Mankind. And like, I can't even describe how amazing this book is, but just understanding the growth of like human psychology and, and where we're headed, it's just a very good foundational book. And it, it dives you into kind of that whole process of how we came to be um, psychologically today. So I, I would recommend that. So it's uh, sapiens. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And besides what you're doing at Alpine, what do you think the most interesting thing going on in the cannabis field is? Ooh, uh, this space is so fun, honestly. I mean, I, I talked earlier about like gatekeeping and stuff and how difficult it is to get in, but it's just, it's super fun. I mean, the people are great. There's pioneers everywhere. And as long as you kind of, jump those fences. It's, it's amazing to work in it. Um, I think the coolest stuff that I've seen is just, you know, I like seeing the transition of the customer um, education side, like understanding what plants actually do to them and, and kind of the new research coming out about um, those different things. And, you know, also some of the more advanced stuff, like people trying to DNA splice and use CRISPR to, to change the effects. I think that stuff's pretty crazy, but we'll see where it goes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's end on a Peter Thiel question here, Nick. What is one thought that you have that most people would disagree with you on? I like his book too, by the way. I I forgot what it's called, but it's zero to one. Zero to one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, What's, can you rephrase that? Sure. What is one thought you have that most people would disagree with you on that you believe to be true? (laughs) So, so after, uh, after I worked on, on Halo and then I went to, um, I ended up doing feature films and, uh, you know, working on those in commercials and stuff like in visual effects world. So like, uh, you remember the Sonic, the hedgehog that came out, yeah. uh, like, I think it was last year and everybody freaked out because he looked just non-menacing at all. He was just terrible looking mm-hmm. from a design perspective. He was just like way too cute for what the, you know, historical version of Sonic was. And I'm, I'm just convinced that that 
like reskin of the character was just a publicity stunt plan from the beginning. <laughs> oh, really? Just get people talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then they ended up changing the character and they bought themselves another like eight months to change the character's design and then release the movie again. <laughs> I've heard this marketing tactic that says you can't tell your customers what to think, but you can tell them what to think about. And maybe yeah, that's, exactly. what the, that's what they did there. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Well, Nick, as we close, are investors welcome to contact you if they're interested in possibly investing later? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're definitely in the process of, of looking for strategics and smart people to work with. And so can I, can I give my information for, for accredited investors? Go uh, ahead and go ahead. Yeah. So uh, Nick, N I C K at Alpine IQ, like like brain IQ.com is my direct email. So free field to email me if you're investor, just have some questions, need some help on data. Like we're, we're here to help and Love to love to talk to people in this space. Um, that or alpineiq.com has some great ways to connect with us and somebody will help you. Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks for coming on the show and educating us. You got a really great company, cool things happening for you. I hope you'll come back and tell us how things are progressing. Yeah, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a good time. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at canninsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at canninsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at canninsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Thanks for listening and look for another Canna Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.